All right, thank you guys. My goodness, great singing today. Thank you, choir. Thank our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in our worship time this morning. This morning I want to share a sermon I've simply entitled Our Heavenly Citizenship. Our Heavenly Citizenship. If you would go ahead and look to Philippians chapter 3. There in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3, we want to look at verses 20 and 21. Philippians 3, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Going to be sharing about our heavenly citizenship. If you'd be so kind when you find that, just go ahead and stand out of reverence and respect to God's infallible, inerrant, inspired word. And so we'll let him speak to us through his Holy Spirit as we... Look at these two verses, our heavenly citizenship. Philippians 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to have worshipped you this morning through hymns and praise songs, special music. And Father, I thank you for an opportunity now we have to, uh, to have you to speak to our hearts through your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. Give me the, the words to say the right spirit to save the man, and may you receive honor and glory and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Our heavenly citizenship from Philippians 3, 20 through 21. Have you ever thought about the fact that Christians in these United States have a dual citizenship? Dual citizenship. As a Christian, we have a dual citizenship. We're citizens of the United States of America. But at the same time, the Apostle Paul spoke of Christians everywhere as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Citizens here, but citizens also as believers of a heavenly kingdom. The most important possession that we possess as Christians other than our salvation, is our heavenly citizenship. And so today, if you're taking notes, what does that mean to have a heavenly citizenship? I have three simple points to make. First of all, our life as a believer is to be heaven-centered. What does it mean to have a heavenly, a heavenly citizenship? Our life as a believer should be heaven-centered. Centered. Verse 20 says this, Who will transform, uh, I'm sorry, for our citizenship. Now some translations have, the King James has, uh, out for, for our conversation, for our conversation. I'm reading from the New King James. For our conversation, that word conversation, the Greek word is poeioma. That simply means our citizenship. Our citizenship, in context, our citizenship is in heaven. 
So remember, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony, and they were citizens of Philippi. Although they lived in Macedonia, they were citizens of Rome. Uh, He's writing to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. They were citizens of Philippi there in Macedonia, but in turn they were major, mainly, citizens of Rome. In other words, their citizenship was in Rome. Living in Philippi, citizenship in Rome. They lived by Roman laws. They dressed as Romans. They spoke the Roman language. Uh, they they uh, dressed like Romans. They, they lived... As uh, they lived in that Roman social life, they worshiped Roman little g gods. And so, despite of the fact that they lived in Philippi and Macedonia, they were actually citizens of Rome. So, the point is, Paul was making that the Philippian believers knew what it meant to live in one place and be a citizen of another place. That's his whole point. Your citizens in Philippi but you're citizens in Rome. You act like Rome, you speak like Rome, you dress like Rome, and so they knew, they knew, those Philippian believers knew what it meant to live in one place, be citizens in another place. And so as believers, the the believers in Philippi knew exactly what it would mean to live on earth and have their citizenship in heaven. Now that's the way we find ourselves today. We live on earth, but we have our citizenship in heaven. It's true, we have dual citizenship, and I'll speak about the other citizenship next Sunday. But we have dual citizenship, and we live here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so we're to dress as a citizen in heaven. We're to speak like a citizen of heaven. We're to engage in the pleasures of a citizen that would be in heaven, not on earth. We're to worship the God of heaven and not the religions or the little g gods here on earth. And so the point is, while on earth, we're to be heaven-centered and not worldly-centered. How sad it is today to be a citizen of heaven and lived worldly on this earth. That's a sad situation for a believer. So the question is, where's your citizenship this morning as a believer? Well, mainly it's in heaven. It's in heaven. Now, I belong to the, with my citizenship in heaven, I belong to the aristocracy of heaven. I belong to our Lord who reigns and our God who is God most high in heaven. And so our responsibility while we're on earth is to never disgrace our homeland which is heaven. So if you're a believer this morning, you need to be living like you were to be living in heaven or to be living in heaven. Think about our homeland. Think about heaven. We've already sung about heaven. Think about our homeland in heaven. You know, in our country, which is heaven. You know, uh, we don't have street problems in heaven. They're all made out of gold in heaven. You know, we don't have, uh, you know, in our heavenly home, we have, we have walls and we have gates in our heavenly home. We have walls that's built of jasper and gates that are made out of pearl. 
there's a rainbow circle throne in heaven. That's our homeland. There's a crystal stream in heaven. The foundations of heaven are made out of gemstones. There are many mansions in heaven. The tree of life is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no hospitals in heaven. There's no prisons in heaven. No asylums in heaven. No retirement homes in heaven. No sobbing in heaven. No sighs in heaven. No crying in heaven. There's a lot of praise going on in heaven. There's a lot of singing in heaven. They're singing praise songs. They're singing hymns. They're singing doxologies. Praise God from whom all blessing flow songs. All songs will be expressing the joy unspeakable and full of glory, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. And so the point is, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, but my citizenship is where? Where? Heaven. That's where our citizenship is. It's in heaven. And so every night... When I pitch my tent, when I lay down my, t- when I pitch my tabernacle, or lay down this old body, I'm just one day closer to my heavenly home where my citizenship is. We're going to heaven. I'm closer to heaven today than I was yesterday. And the point is, knowing that, knowing that I'm getting closer to my heavenly home, should, shouldn't that influence how I dress? Shouldn't that influence and in, in, in how I behave? Knowing that I'm going to heaven, knowing that I'm a citizen of heaven, shouldn't that influence the pleasures that I indulge in here on this earth? Shouldn't that influence how I, in, how I invest my, my spiritual gifts and my natural talents? Knowing that I'm going to heaven anytime, Shouldn't that influence how I spend my money or how I treat another person? Shouldn't that influence the time that I spend in worship, the time that I spend at the church, the time that I spend reading my Bible or praying and having my prayer time? You see, my life as a a believer should be heaven-centered. It changes everything. Now, I may be here on earth, but I should be acting out my heavenly citizenship. And the same for you as a believer. We're here on earth, but you should be acting out your heavenly citizenship here on earth. Now, with this dual citizenship as a believer, I should be living, a, I should be living as a citizen of heaven here on earth. But secondly, I noticed in this, In verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, for which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to have a heavenly citizenship? Well, I'm to be be heaven-centered here on earth. But at the same time, I should be looking for the Savior's return if my citizenship is in heaven. Notice verse 20, which also eagerly wait For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as a citizen of heaven, we're to eagerly wait for the Savior. Now, Kenneth Wiest, in his word study of of Greek words, he says the word wait here comes from a Greek word that's made up of three words put together. Thought this was interesting. Three words put together to form our English word wait. 
And you have the Greek word for receive. Receive speaks of welcoming a guest. You get things ready for a guest. You know, when company comes to your house, what do you do? You need to pick up your room in there. Help me get the living room straightened up before they get here. You get ready for your guest. You get your home ready for your guest. You get yourself ready for the guest. So wake means to get things ready for the coming of the Savior. The word wait there also means has the, the meaning of off, O-F-F, the English word. It means to withdraw your attention from everything else. Get your mind off of everything else that would interrupt you from thinking about your guest coming, which is our Savior. Think about him coming. The third word means to, uh, uh, it, the word is out, our English word for out. The ideal of waiting means out. Literally, to, to stretch your neck out. Have you, has, did your parents ever tell you when someone pulled up out front, don't look out the window, don't look, don't look out those blinds. They'll be, they'll be in here in a moment. I guess I'm the only one. And have you ever, have you ever had a hard time? I remember we were, in, uh, we were in Romania one year, and Kyle was there, and, and there was this tall fence and uh, on the other side, there was, a, there was a pounding going on on the other side. I mean, hard pounded. And we could see through the crack just a little, and the guy was killing a hog. He was beating it with a, with a club. And we couldn't see, but Kyle could. He was taller than everybody else. And I was standing on my tiptoes trying to look over that fence, you know, to see what was going on. That's the same word for wait here, to stretch your neck out, to be, to stand on your tiptoes. The Bible says all nature is standing on its tiptoes, look, looking and longing for the Savior to come. And he says, listen, we need to be waiting for the Savior there in verse 20. Notice what he says. He says, for our citizenship in heaven is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait. We're wanting to receive him, taking our mind off of everything else. It's off of everything else. And we're stretching our neck to the point that we think he could come any minute, any moment. That's the language here. And that's what we need to be doing. It's looking for our Savior. Our citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, I should be living here as a citizen of heaven here on earth and I should be looking for the Savior's return because my citizenship is in heaven and the king of that country the king of heaven is coming back here he's coming back here the king of that country is coming back to earth he came before you remember that he came before men mocked him men crucified him nailed him to a cross however he arose from the grave he ascended to his home on high but before he left, he said these words, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, call you up, catch you away, rapture you in Latin, raptura, I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. And so I'm praying, I'm hoping, and I'm praying that Jesus will come in our generation. Be honest with you, I don't want to die. I'd like for him to come before I die. I want to see Jesus come. But it won't matter. The only way you're going to go to heaven is if he comes for us or we die and go to him. 
And so, but he's coming back. Never before have there been so many signs that are announcing his coming. You have the rebirth of the state of Israel. Eric and I were speaking about this this morning. A lot of things going on in Israel right now that just foreshadows the coming of the Lord, the second coming. But before the Lord comes and sets his foot down on, on uh, the Mount of Olives, we're going up to meet him in the air. Okay, so the rapture is not when he sets his foot down. The rapture is when he calls the church up to go with him to heaven. And then things break loose here on earth. And so you have the rebirth of Israel. You have the rise of Russia. You've been looking at the news and reading the paper about Russia. That's, that sign's been fulfilled. You have the coming together of Europe. You have the discovery of nuclear power. I jotted down a few. You have the spread of atheism, the spread of humanism. You have permiss a very permissive society. You have the, the widespread of illegal drugs. You have the toleration of pornography and perversion. You have the increase of cultism. You have famines and deadly diseases and the falling away from God and his church have earthquakes you have terrorism you have persecution all of these and other signs should cause us to eagerly look wait be ready for the rapture the catching away the calling up of the church unto the law unto the Lord Jesus we need to be ready for that and and the reason it could happen any moment it can happen any moment. So as a citizen of heaven, I should be heaven-centered. I should be focused on the Savior's return. And let me give you one more. I should be focused on having a glorified body that I'll receive one day. Now think of that. Look, if you will, at verse 21. Who will transform, when the Lord comes back, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You see, when Jesus came uh, forth from the womb there in Bethlehem, he had a perfect body. It was perfect in that it, he was without sin, he was without disease, uh, he was out de without deformity, his body was not deformed. He, he, had all, he had his fingers, his toes, his feet. He had uh, facial hair. He had facial expressions like you and I. He was complete man, but complete God. But when he was born, he had a perfect body. And this perfect body served as a vehicle in which he could experience life here on the earth. However, after he came forth from the tomb, after he was buried crucified and buried, and he came forth from the tomb, he didn't have a perfect body, he had a glorified body. And there is a difference. Because he could appear at one place and suddenly he could disappear. He could walk through a wall. He could uh, suddenly appear on the beach side or the seashore and have breakfast with his disciples and suddenly disappear again. He had this glorified body. It, he was unhindered by space and, and matter and time. And he could just walk through walls. He could eat the meal. And in heaven, his glorified body is going to have scars. He's have scars. He'll show us, we'll see his scars in his hand. But he, he acquired this glorified body 
And it was engineered, not for earth, like his perfect body was, but it was engineered for eternity. And the Bible says, as believers, we're going to have bodies like Jesus. We're going to have not perfect bodies, but they will be, but we're going to have glorified bodies like Jesus. Our bodies will be reconstructed, refigured, call it what you will, but we're going to have a body like unto Christ, a glorified body. But right now, the verse says, we have these vile bodies. We have these lowly bodies. Verse 20, 21. He says, he, who will transform our lowly body. Lowly body. Lowly in that it's made out of the earth. Lowly in that uh, we're, we're subject of uh, we're just flesh. Uh, lowly, we have the chemicals of the earth. Lowly in that uh, we're subject to sickness and we're subject to disease and we're subject to injury and we're subject to being maimed and we're subject to being, uh, uh, of, of being older or being aged and we're subject to being, you know, to experience deterioration throughout our body. We're lowly because we're dying and wasting away. We're moral, you know, we're, we're just mortal. No hope. No everlasting in this body. This body will never, your body will never inherit the kingdom of God. Your glorified body will. But this flesh and blood we have now can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells us that there's no hope of everlasting just a few years here on this earth in this body. But verse 21 says, but one day our vile body, our lowly body is going to be changed. It's not going to be thrown away, but it's going to be changed. It's going to be transfigured. You see, when Jesus, Jesus didn't abandon his body and leave it in the tomb. I mean, he reunited his soul, his spirit with his body. His body was out without corruption. And then he transfigured it. He reformed it. He refashioned it. It was a glorified body. And all of this would be done with our bodies in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, according to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. You say, well, how will it be done? Is it possible for that to be done? It's very possible. How will it be possible? Look at verse 21. It says, according to the working by which he, God, is able even to subdue all things to himself. How's he going to, how's he going to re, reshape this body or conform this body? It's possible. You say, well, how's it possible? It's possible by the power of God. Now think, the power which is able, he says here, to subdue all things in Christ. The very power that created the world is powerful to reshape and reconform a, a, a body for eternity. Uh, that power that controls the universe, that power to recreate the world. Believe me, he has the power to transform the body of a man. He created man, flesh and blood, and he can recreate man to have a body that's fit for eternity. Jot down Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans eight twenty nine says this. Romans 8, 29, from whom he foreknew, uh, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
Now, how are we going to be predestined? We're going to be predestined to be formed into the image of his son. We're going to be like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jot down 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and let's look at verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we're children of God, and it's not been yet revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we're going to be like, we're going to be like Jesus. And so I have a citizen, I'm a citizen here on earth in the United States of America, but I have my citizenship in heaven. This morning, Terry's going to come and lead us in an invitation. And in this invitation, I want to ask you a question. First of all, do you possess a heavenly citizenship? Now, I know you have a citizenship here, but do you possess a heavenly citizenship? Are you a citizen of heaven? Now you say, well, how do I become a citizen of heaven? You become a citizen of heaven by becoming a child of God. 1 John 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So to be a, a citizen, to have citizenship in heaven, you must be a child of God. And you become a child of God by receiving Christ Jesus into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior. Believing in the gospel that Christ came, he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, he arose again. And one day he's coming back and that's who we're waiting for. And you believe that, not in your mind cognitively, but from your heart. And you're willing to trust him and only him for your salvation. And when you do that, he tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you're saved, you automatically, although you're here, your citizen, your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have a home in heaven. Your citizenship is already there in heaven. So is your citizenship in heaven, or you just have this United States of American citizenship? Really? So you're facing all eternity without a citizenship in heaven? Well, wouldn't it make sense for you to trust Christ and have a citizenship in heaven and not just here on this earth. So do you have that heavenly citizenship? Are you going to heaven when you die? Are you going to heaven if the Lord comes back before you die and calls the church? Are you going to be left behind? You will if you don't have that citizenship in heaven. And so the invitation this morning, first of all, is for you to come and receive Christ where you'll have that citizenship in heaven. Let me ask you this question. Are, are you looking and waiting for the Savior? You know, one way you know for sure that you're saved is you're looking for Jesus to come back. Does it, does it ever cross your mind? If, if you're looking for Jesus, then all of a sudden your whole life changes. Your desires change. Your want-tos change. You're living for Him here on earth. You're concerned about what He wants you to do. You're living for him. So are you looking and waiting for the Savior? He's coming back. He really is. Are you ready for his coming? Are you going to be part of that calling up, that catching up of the church? And then are you focused on your new body? You focused on that new body. Terry's going to come and he's, he's going to lead us in, in a song that 
you've heard many times, no doubt, but I don't know if you've listened to the words. The title of it is Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please him in all that I do. That'll happen. That'll happen when you get heaven focused. Striving to please him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. It's not a burden to be have allegiance to the Lord. It's, it's with glad heart that I have allegiance to the Lord. Living for Jesus, a life that's true. Striving to please him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessings for me. If you want to have a blessed life, Put Christ first in your life. He can't bless an ungodly life. He won't bless an ungodly life. But he'll save you and then bless you. And your life will be blessed by just being a part of a, of a heavenly family. This is the pathway of blessing for me. O oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For, thy, for thou and thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I owe no other master, and I know no other master. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give, henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. My goodness, when you have a heavenly citizenship, and you know you have that heavenly citizenship, that song becomes a blessing. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. Today's the day. That you have an opportunity to do that. When we sing this first verse, you just come and say, Brother Sammy, I want to know how to be saved. I want that heavenly citizenship. But you're coming, you're making that statement. And after everybody leaves, we'll talk for a while. But you may be here today and you're already a believer, but your life really is not focused on heaven. It's focused here on earth. It's all about the earth. It's all about the earth. You're not thinking about dying. You're not thinking about going to your heavenly home. You're not thinking about sending anything up in advance. You need to get your priorities right here on earth and get prepared to go to that home in heaven. And so you need to may come and get things worked out between you and the Lord and just spend some time in prayer. Rededication of life. Or you may come and unite with this church. Whatever God's leading you to do, you need to come today. Terry's going to lead us. Let's stand together, sing. Living for Jesus. If you have that heavenly citizenship, you need to sing like you have it this morning. Singing's been beautiful. Stand up here and hearing everyone. Let's sing like we have that citizenship. Come on as we sing.